Welcome back to This Week in College Football, presented by CFB Talk Daily. This week, we are back with our Week 2 recap to see some to recap Alabama versus Texas, Baylor versus BYU, Tennessee versus Pittsburgh, along with some Sun Belt uh, upsets. All that and more on This Week in College Football, presented by CFB Talk Daily. All right, so starting things off, we saw three uh, pretty big upsets. Um, all, all, all kind of, uh, all, all coming out of the Sun Belt Conference this week. Um, starting off as a Notre Dame fan, um, was very brutal watching Notre Dame lose to Marshall. Um, it, it was super upsetting. And then to to top things off, uh, Tyler Buckner gets hurt. Overall, I mean, it, UConn's sputtering right now. I I believe, or not UConn. Notre Dame is sputtering right now. No Notre Dame coach has ever started off 0 and three. Freeman lost it to Oklahoma State in their bowl game last year, lost a close game to Ohio State, who's one of the best teams in the country, and now you lose to Marshall. What is kind of the road to recovery for, for Notre Dame at this point with Drew, Drew Pine taking over at QB? Well, it has to go better than his first snap at QB during the Marshall game where he threw a pick. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Um, I think Notre Dame has to adjust their, uh, their expectations and maybe just aim for a bowl game now. I feel like mm-hmm. if you make a bowl game and how things are going now, like, or maybe like one game over bowl eligibility, maybe it's something to build on for next year. Because yeah. uh, obviously playoffs probably out of the, definitely out of the question now. But yeah, I, I have to agree, which hurts. But um, you know, it, it's especially with with Buckner going down, it hurts because he it felt like well he was he struggled a bit. I mean, it was his first few college football games that he was playing, and I mean he started off with Ohio State, which is never easy. And then Marshall comes in loaded for bear and really gives you a great fight. So him going down hurts. Uh, but like you said, bowl eligible at this point should be the be the main goal going either seven and five or hopefully six and six in that range is at this point a win on the season. Because like you said, playoffs are out of the picture. Uh, an NY six bowl is most likely out of the picture as well. So mm-hmm. y- you really got to pray that, that Freeman goes bowl eligible in his first year. Um, kind of with now what seems like a ragtag bunch of uh, of players. Well, you still got good players like Foskey, Brandon Joseph, and uh, Michael Mayer. You got a lot of plug-and-play guys on the roster and, and that are going to be competing in big games like against Clemson, USC, and BYU. So now you got to really just buckle down and kind of hope that you, you squeak out of games alive from here on out. Yeah, Brandon Joseph is so good, too. I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of his. But I think you're right. I think New Year Six may be out of the question too. So you kind of just have to, you know, maybe it's just a building block season, which is weird to say at Notre Dame. But you know, just try to get guys ready to go, maybe have, make a run next season. Definitely, yeah. And Brandon Joseph kind of adds on uh, the the first big, or I shouldn't say big, but the first Northwestern transfer that came in that I remember to Notre Dame was Ben Skoranek, and really he kind of broke out. Now you got Brandon Joseph coming in as a, a, a transfer from Northwestern, and he's just an awesome player to watch. So he's been kind of a bright spot uh, for Notre Dame thus far this season, uh, along with a handful of other guys like Foskey and uh, DJ Brown's been pretty good as well. But it, it's but now, fingers crossed, you make a bowl game and kind of turn an 0-2 start of the season into something semi-successful for Marcus Freeman. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see that uh, Marshall's uh, running back? He was driving Uber last year. Was he really? Yeah, so he uh, he went to Florida State at high school. His name's uh, Kawam Laborn. And uh, I think he was like a four-star or whatever. And then he, whatever, he like left Florida State, no school, contacted him. So 
He was just driving Uber until Marshall uh, recruited him. That's a cr- I love a story like that. That's awesome that he he's able to come back and play D one football, especially he's a hell of a player. So yeah, that's an awesome thing to see. Yeah, that, I thought that was so cool. I talked to him uh, yesterday about it, but that, that's cool. Um, that and before we move on, I also thought the the Marshall DB had one of the all time great celebrations we'll see this season. Shushing the Notre Dame crowd, then mocking the uh, Fighting Irish logo, I thought was uh, while while it stung in the moment, was a, a pretty a pretty cold celebration. I thought I don't know what you thought about that. Yeah, yeah, that was a Mikey Abraham. That was a, that was a pretty sick celebration. I was a big fan because that, that's just like a different type of confidence. That was just yep. I don't know. I, I love that. I mean, it, it probably sucks as a Notre Dame fan. I don't want to rub it in. But... <laughs> No, it's, it, it hurts, but again, like, I would root for Marshall to be any uh, top 10 team that they play, so or a top 25 team that they play, so I, I got to kind of just take this one on the chin. I'm, I'm, while it hurts, I'm, I got to just accept it, but another yeah. big big game, big upset out of the Sun Belt was App State uh, beating Texas A&M down in College Station. This was a game I actually bet the over of 54. That didn't even come in close to hitting, which stunk but uh, again when you see app state go down there and beat a team that they really shouldn't have uh you kind of throw all your bets out the door and you get excited to see that uh, along with that video that's been uh re- that's been surfacing of i don't even know who was doing this like emceeing event i don't know who it was i don't think it was players but it was just guys in overalls that were uh try at like a pep rally I, and the video has also been deleted a handful of times as well um by a and I don't know if they're reporting for copyright, but th- that just is insult to injury. Wait, so you didn't know that? That's called the Midnight Yell. They do it before every game. Do they? Like, they have these, it, yeah, they have these things. They're called the Yell Weeders. And like, like 30,000 people oh, pack Jesus. into the uh, stadium, like right before the night of the game. And they just like roast the other team, basically. I mean, that was, that was tough to watch. I mean, if you've ever seen like uh, any like stand-up comedian bomb, this was almost worse especially when you're in front of 30,000 people and you're making jokes about people being hicks when you're at Texas A&M, I think is a, a tough hill to die on, especially when you lose the game. Well, the, the worst part about it is you're going to lose, but also like, uh, it was just like the jokes weren't funny. <laughs> like, if you yeah. were like, funny and you lost, like, it, people wouldn't have talked about it. And then trying to make it disappear from the internet and then failing miserably, like if people just kept reposting it, like, that- I don't know, it just seems like, it was ten times worse to try to get rid of it. Yeah, that that was the the, the them trying to get rid of it was even. It, it just looks so bad on their part, which I like even more. A team trying to make that disappear after you try and roast another team, and now you're you're making a a, a video like that try to disappear was bad. But overall, I mean, App State looked awesome. I mean, they looked awesome in Week One against UNC and came up just short. Um, and I, I really think what killed A and M was. The run game from App State with Cameron Peoples had I think, close to 20 carries and got over 100 yards rushing, and that was really the dagger for them, along with Chase Bryce just playing pretty stellar with a 50% passer uh, completion rate with over 100 yards and a touchdown. Okay. There's a lot of problems at A&M, though. I saw uh, one of their receivers like that tweet from a uh, yep. like one of the highly ranked like, high school players in Texas. He said that... Um, Texas has the scheme, but not the players. A&M has the players, but not the scheme. I saw that. That's then, uh, um, that's a not a good look. No, and then they're starting safety, like the tweet, too, of uh, Josh Pate saying uh, that Jimbo Fisher is like a, 
a gallon of water from 2014. He's making you chug an expired offense. Jesus. Like, oh, my God. That's... But, yeah, things are not going well. That that uh never looks good. Like, the whole social media aspect after a loss. I mean, we saw it with LSU big time. Um, and, and now, I mean, th- this just – I think this just adds more and more fuel to, like, a loss like that. Um, when you've got players now kind of revolting from the inside out is just never a good look after you, you lose to App State. But, I mean, this is just a huge win overall for App State, a team that arguably could be 2-0 and right now with wins against two good programs against UNC and A&M, which is a, a pretty cool thing to see. Yeah, no, I've loved seeing some teams get a win. There was one more that did. Mm. Um, Let, led oh, to uh, – oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. I just wanted to add one more thing. So that uh, guy who liked the tweet with the offense being expired was a, a five-star freshman, Denver Harris, who mm-hmm. also, after the game, uh, live-shooting himself, like, drifting around the parking garage with, like, people in it. I saw that. I didn't realize – I didn't know if he was a commit or if he was already there. That I saw that oh, yeah, video. He's already there. That's, that was awful, I thought. I mean, just not a good look at all. Yeah, I mean, like, if, if it was empty or, like, kind of late at night, like, obviously, like – or you can do stupid things. But the fact that it was like, there's like cars like trying to park like in the video game. Yeah, he like drifted around a car that was like pulled off to the side trying to park. And even the people in the chat, like the 14 second video, you see the people like comment, like, what are you doing? Like, this is like guy kind of lost his mind, stuff like that. Like, so even the comments were like, what, what are you doing right now? This is just not smart. So again, just it, more, it, it's salt in the wound of this loss for, for a Yeah, that was a that's not a good look that video. I'm surprised they didn't D A it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I'm surprised that video has not been scrubbed from the internet yet. <laughs> like so, that, that yell video is like the the Zapruder tapes now. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I'm surprised uh, the the account the CFB Talk Daily account didn't get taken down after you reposted it. Yeah, I, I was kind of shocked too. I was kind of hoping they they would because I just love like being like anti. I, I love fighting things, so I would have loved to get suspended, but it didn't happen. Yeah. Um. So then there was uh one more game that uh from from the Sun Belt that led to the demise of or kind of I shouldn't say led to it. It's the Scott Frost demise has been uh, going for a few years now. It put the nail in the coffin for um. Scott Frost ended up leading to his firing. Georgia Southern goes to Lincoln and beats Nebraska 45-42. This Nebraska season has just been about as big a train wreck as you can really think of. Um, And, and, you know, it's it's weird to see a team that really there weren't a lot of high hopes going into the season, I think, um, just get kind of tossed around and just get absolutely bludgeoned on social media and kind of a team that, like I said, had no expectations has been like the forefront of uh, a lot of the, the the college football world Twitter. So, um, and, and you know, this was this loss I think was no fault of a guy like Casey Thompson. Uh, it just the defense played really bad overall. I mean, it, it was just a pathetic loss I think for Nebraska. Yeah, for me, I feel like watching Nebraska, there's definitely talent on that team, right? <laughs> but. And they created like a, a team that just gave up on their coach and had like no, they didn't believe in anything he was doing. I feel like every time they went out there on offense or defense, like they were just going through the motions and like not actually believing like they could win. Yes, 
Yeah, it, it was uh, – it, it, it's reminiscent of like a lot of teams that like kind of you knew that the, the coach was going to be gone after the season. Like you kind of see that happen every year. This Nebraska team was just more amplified um, where once they got down by a little bit or were in a dogfight with a team like Georgia Southern, which if you look at the conferences and look at historically they shouldn't be in a dogfight with, they kind of just give up, which is never good. And now they're looking for – a new head coach. If you had to guess, who is that guy? Like just an outside bet right now. Who do you think is that next Nebraska head coach? Bill O'Brien. I, I like that. I think that's the, the, it, it that should be the first call. They, this should have been the first call they made after they gassed frost. Yeah. I think coming from the you know, Alabama school of failed head coaches, I think Bill mm-hmm. O'Brien is, you know, he's ready to go back to the uh, head coach world. But also, he's yep. coached in the Big Ten before. He did it at Penn State under the sanctions, and like, I mean, he was he was solid. Yeah, it was fifteen and nine at uh, Penn State. Like you said, under under the sanctions, which is pretty good with seeing like what he had to deal with. I would also say a guy like Jim Leonard at Wisconsin would not be a bad pick for them, um, or, or even. There's a lot of outside guys. I think a guy like Matt Rule could go back there because he's on the hot seat in Carolina. He's a guy that's had a lot of success in college and has turned bad programs good. I mean, when he got to Temple, they were two and ten, and then in his final season before he leaves, they're ten and two. For Baylor, he turned them from one and eleven to eleven and three before leaving for the NFL. So that would be a guy I wouldn't completely uh, discount from getting that Nebraska job or at least getting an interview because uh, I don't think he'll be coaching in the NFL much longer. Yeah, no, me either. I, I saw another one. Someone said that uh, Jamie Chadwell. At uh, Coastal Ooh. Carolina. That would be an interesting one. But they run the triple option, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, does Nebraska want to bring the triple option back is the real question. Could, could you imagine if they, went to anti, if they went to Wisconsin and just ran the ball more than Wisconsin every single play and out-Wisconsin <laughs> them? That would, I mean, I would absolutely love that. I'm a huge proponent of the triple option. So, if, they, if a team brought that back like Nebraska – I would absolutely love it. Yeah, me too. Especially because, like, I don't think it would work in the Big Ten, to be honest. But I would love to see someone try it, especially at Nebraska. Another another guy that threw his hat in the ring, and Dominican Sue threw his hat in the ring to be the the next Nebraska head coach. Uh, actually, which would be interesting to say the least. Um, but I, I usually I get to see going back to Nebraska and coaching like the D line. Um, maybe in 10 years, but I don't see that as uh, the, the viable head coaching option. There's a lot of better guys out there, and I'd love to see them possibly bring a guy like Bo Pelini back. That would be so awesome to see. What about Coach O? Mm. So I feel like Co- I, I like the option of Coach O. I just don't know if he'll coach in like the next two or three years just because he's got that 17 mil. But, I mean, he's been coaching for so long. He's got to have that itch to get back into it. And if he brought I mean, whoever comes into Nebraska and has success will be looked at a legend, like looked at like a legend in Lincoln for saving Cornhusker football. So that's got to be the most enticing part of it is if you succeed, you are a hero in Lincoln forever. Yeah, no, actually I saw someone else. Uh, oh, Jason Brown, the uh, coach from last chance you, he threw his hat in the ring as well. Jesus, that, I, yeah, I don't. I completely forgot about him after that. Uh, the the last chance you. I think would they do two seasons with an independence? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I, I you, kinda, know 
disregarded that. Do you remember why he got fired? It was he made a uh, an an insensitive uh, comment about a, a, a was it a Jewish player or a German player? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do. Re- I, I remember it vaguely. Didn't he say he was like, "I'm your Hitler now," something to that extent? Yeah, he was a Jewish player. That's so bad. Jesus Christ, that's not good. Um, um, but yeah, so Nebraska loses to Georgia Southern. Scott Frost is out on the street. Um, so that kind of that puts a run right there. Sun Belt, two or three big wins for the Sun Belt Conference. Moving over to the SEC a little bit, I think we had a very enticing matchup between Kentucky and Florida, especially off Anthony Richardson had a hell of a game uh, against Utah. Knocks off, uh, I believe, number seven Utah in week one. Um, does it with his legs mostly. And then, you know, we he didn't really show up his arm too much in that Utah game, which I think was a bit of a concern. And now we see why. Uh, through the air, 14 for 35, 143 yards and two picks. And then Kentucky really game planned for Richardson trying to run. And he had six carries for four yards. So um, as much as Richardson was fun to watch in week one, I guess his play style is kind of uh, Kentucky showed that his play style is kind of easy to game plan for and easy to shut down um, when, when you really put a lot of time and effort into it. So and then Will Levis played stellar 202 yards, a touchdown and a pick and then uh, smoke on the ground, 14 carries for 80 yards. I mean, Kentucky played a well-rounded game against a, a very good Florida team that was riding high. Yeah, and that was without their best player, too, Kentucky. I mean, they got one of their good linebackers back, Jordan Wright. Mm-hmm. He helped uh, contain Richardson. But, yeah, I was shocked. I thought Kentucky was going to blow – I mean, I thought Florida was going to blow out Kentucky mm-hmm. or at least not be very close. And I actually was extremely shocked to see Anthony Richardson basically lay an egg. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he came out so hot and would just really shock the nation with his play against Utah, like a very good Utah team. And now you just, like you said, lays an egg against, uh, against Kentucky. And I, I thought this game was going to be, I didn't know about blowout, but I thought this game could be close, but with Florida winning by seven to 10 points and, you know, Kentucky completely flipped the script on it. And now Kentucky's eating Gator at their, uh, their, their post game barbecue. I don't know if you saw that picture. Oh, yeah, I did. I tweeted. That was Will Lewis. That was awesome. I said I aspire to that level of pettiness. <laughs> that, that was so great. That that was so great. I love that. Um, and K- Kentucky feels like they're a fun team to watch. Um, I mean, when they're, like, competitive, one of my favorite college football teams of all time was the year they had Lynn Bowden and Cash Daniels and Josh Allen. Now you're kind of seeing remnants of that. With Levis just being kind of an electric player, You've got a, they've got a good backfield and a solid defense. If they could finish the season eight and four, nine and three, that would be a very fun year. Now they're up to number nine in the 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 rankings. So Kentucky's a very fun team to watch. But I still wouldn't count Florida out this season. This could just be Richardson just had a poor game, but his arm not being as good as uh, other QBs is definitely I think a concern. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, no, definitely. I feel like in the SEC you have to have both. I mean. A little bit, unless you're really well coached, which I, Florida is, but like Lynn Bowden at Kentucky, for instance, they only ran the ball with him, but he was just so electric that like it didn't matter. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know you even see with guys that are maybe a little bit more mobile, um, that still have better arms than uh, 
than uh, Richardson. Like, K.J. Jefferson, I think, is a pretty mobile quarterback. But, I mean, even him, he's got a serviceable arm that's going to keep Arkansas alive in games like they did against South Carolina and against Cincinnati. He's more efficient than Richardson. He, he I think um, he proves that you don't have to have the best arm, but you need to have one that's going to be serviceable and be you have, to, you have to perform in big spots through the air. And Richardson hasn't proven to do that. He's been great on the ground, or was great on the ground against Utah, but when a team shuts you down on the ground, you got to be able to do something else. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. You have to have something. You have to fear your arm at least a little bit just so they can't load the box every play because mm-hmm. it gets so hard to run the ball. Yeah, it, it, tough game for Florida, for a fun Florida team. Um, next game. Do Alabama, uh, Texas. I forgot to add that in there. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm. Let's do Bama, Texas now. I thought – Another game, um, my bet completely off the table early on. I had Bama minus 20. I thought this game was going to be a bloodbath. Uh, I thought Bama was going to really show Texas what the SEC is really all about. And, you know, they didn't really do that. Even with Quinn Ewers coming out of the game, Hudson Card played very well, I thought. Bajon Robinson uh, not didn't have a ton of yards, but still was there when Texas needed him, had a rushing touchdown. Um, but this was a fun game overall to watch. I, I, I had a great time watching this game. And it kind of proves that Texas is more than a, a, a laughing stock and could could really make some noise when they enter the SEC in the next few years. Yeah, I had uh, I had Texas to cover. I was a mm-hmm. believer. Probably one of the like, very few people that had it. I just thought 20 points was too big. Um Texas looked so good. Their offensive line was good. To be honest, they, I don't want to be the should have because my aunt had balls. She'd be my uncle. <laughs> but they should have uh, – that safety should have been two points. They should have won that game. Yes. Oh, definitely. That, play. that was ridiculous. If I was a defensive lineman, I would have been – I'd still be angry about that. So the call on that was targeting, but I didn't even see – or was it that, they, that he got the ball off? Because I know a targeting call was, like, in the mix in that. It didn't look like there was any targeting in my eyes. Um, just just an overall weird call. It, it felt very uh, Tuck Rule-esque where they were just looking to find something in that play. Yeah, I, I think it was the roughing the passer. and they, He said targeting, and then and then they said that he got the ball out. Like, he wasn't down. He was on a guy's back. Like, it was so weird. Like, yeah. because they reviewed it for targeting, he, like, they reviewed he wasn't down either. Like, it was so weird. Yeah, that, that was a, definitely a bummer for uh, – for text, but yeah, their O line looked very good. Ewers going down hurts, but I mean, I would definitely, if I'm a Texas fan, I have a lot of confidence in Hudson Card playing as well as he did against Bama, kind of coming in cold. And they're like, all right, we're throwing you into the into the fire against the best team in college football. Uh, get, go get it, kid. Um, he played very well. So I mean, I, it, this Texas season with their starting QB out for the next few weeks definitely is not lost, which is, I think, a good thing. Yeah, and they, Quinn Ewers, I want to talk about, he looked so good. Mm-hmm. Like, when, when he was in, him and Xavier Worthy, like, they were taking deep shots, and, like, they looked scary for probably about two quarters until he got hurt. I think you texted in the group chat. You said Xavier Worthy might be the best receiver in college football. I have to agree with you on that. Um, I mean, he looked just so good in this game. Uh, and really got open for for Card and for Ewers, which was huge. It made life a lot easier for those guys. Yeah, I think with Card, he wasn't as good because Card was a little afraid to push the ball downfield at first. But once they got the ball into his hands again, like he is just so talented. 
He's he, another another big play guy. I thought that that kind of saved Bam in this game was Jameer Gibbs. Uh, I mean, not th- not on the ground, but through the air. He had nine catches for 74 yards and a score. He was really a big time player for them and helped them get out of that hole and, and really come back and beat Texas. Um, I, even in the law or in the the close win, I thought Bryce Young still looked all right. Um, not his elite self like he did last year, but still looked very good. Yeah, I thought um, Jameer Gibbs looked like the best player on the team, to be honest. Who was that again? Uh, Jameer Gibbs. Mm. Yeah, I think he looked like the best player on the team for Alabama because uh, their defense was a mess. Honestly, Will Anderson was, uh, I don't know if he's just having a really bad game, but he just like he was in his own head because he had a few like offsides, like trying to jump the snap count. Yep. He, was trying to, he was trying to do too much, I think. Yeah, and that that's an issue. When I mean, I still think he's the best player in college football. And when you kind of get that label, and you kind of – I definitely think he could have gotten in his own head and thought like, oh, we're down right now. I need to make a big play. I need to be the guy that makes this big play. And it almost hurt them. But, I mean, he came up big. He had a sack late, which was huge. So, I mean, it, when it really came down to it, Anderson was there for Bama and made the big play. But, I mean, if he plays more sound, then you really take away a lot of the Texas drives early on. And Bama wins this game by more than one point. Yeah, I I think what you said is right. Like maybe the pressure got to him of you know being the best player, and he just felt like okay, I need to be the one to turn like right the ship. Yep. Yeah, yeah completely. But this, I mean, overall, the game was a blast. Uh, and like I said, Texas really oh, yeah. put put the nation on alert. But again, this could be like Florida. I thought Florida put the nation on alert last uh, uh, in week one against Utah. That could this could be something the same. Uh, some of the same. Um, storyline here where they put the nation on alert against a very good team and then fizzle out, especially with Ewers out. But I, I feel confident in Hudson card to keep Texas alive for an NY six bowl early this season or uh, while he plays this season. And then uh, with Ewers coming back, I think that they could be a very dangerous team and could win the big 12. Yeah. I think Texas, I really hope to have, I think Quinn Ewers is out, uh, I think it's four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. I hope he's back quicker. Cause I want to see him and I want to see Texas compete. I'm not sure how much they could do, with, do that with Card. He's not bad, but the offense looks so fluid with Ewers. Yeah, definitely. Um, another big game, an, another top 25 game was uh, Tennessee versus Pittsburgh. I really like Pittsburgh in this game a lot coming into it. Uh, but Hendon Hooker proved that he's maybe the second best QB in all of the SEC by playing as efficient as he did. Uh, with 325 yards and two touchdowns, along with uh, being big on the ground when they needed him as well. We, I mean, he only had 25, 27 yards, but we still came up big in scramble moments for him. Um, and then Cedric Tillman absolutely took the top off Pitt with 162 yards. This Tennessee team looks very good. And, you know, I, I always knock Tennessee just because I've seen them in the past years. I've kind of grown up in the era where – Tennessee will lose the very bad teams in out of conference games. So I, that's why I was partially very high on Pitt. I also liked Slovis a lot. So, uh, but this game was, uh, again, another fun one. I thought going into this week, it was going to be a little underwhelming. There weren't a ton of big time matchups, I thought, but we got a very fun week of games. This being one of them going to OT and Tennessee winning. Yeah, for me, I had, um, I had a Tennessee winning in my far away. So I was very I was going for Tennessee. I texted a uh, Tennessee writer that I talked to a little bit, 
I said, have you seen a cardiologist recently? I can't imagine watching this game every Saturday. Uh, it's got to it's got to be brutal. It, it has to be absolutely brutal for that because they're going to be in close games this entire year. I mean, if they just keep gutting out wins, it's going to be super fun. I'm excited for when they play uh, Florida on the 24th and then Kentucky in late October. Those are going to be, I think, very fun games to watch this Tennessee team play and also get to see Hendon Hooker play. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to see uh, Hooker versus Kentucky. Him and Will Levis, that's going to be a great game. <laughs> the, the SEC has so many fun QBs this year. Bryce Young obviously being the number one guy. But when you have Richardson, Levis, Rattler, K.J. Jefferson, and Hooker all kind of playing pretty good football, it, it's exciting. It's an absolutely exciting time to be in. It, it's, I shouldn't, shouldn't omit Stetson Bennett. I mean, it's a fun time to watch SEC football with the quarterbacks playing it this high of a level. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty, normally pretty anti-SEC, but I am, I really like the quarterbacks I have in the conference right now. Richardson, Levis, Hooker. So it's actually been really fun for me to watch, I have to admit. Yeah. Pitt, I mean, Pitt gave him a good fight, though. I mean, taking him to OT on the ground. Uh, Abin Kanda had 154 rushing yards, so they really got after him then. And Slovis had 195 passing yards with a touchdown. Um, it, but I, I think the Tennessee receiving core was just so efficient and got open so often for Hooker with Tillman, Hyatt, and even Bra McCoy with 58 yards and a touchdown was just they were just better than the Pitt DBs, and that kind of I think is what what was the big difference in this game for Tennessee. Yeah, did you see uh, Pitt's tight end with his hurdle? Did you see that? I did. I did. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that, I, I, how do you get that in there? Because you need recognition for that. That, that was uh, well, one of the, the bright spots in a loss for that Pitt team. I mean, he was their top target, too, all game. So that, that was uh, a, definitely a fun place. But it's fun seeing a big guy get up like that. Oh, yeah. They could have lost by 30 right there, and that they still would be good to get talked about. Yep. Oh, yeah, definitely. It, it, you always, when you see a big guy, I mean, I think he's listed at like 6'5". 260 seeing a guy get up like that is just so entertaining you always see it once a season with a big tight end like that making a play jumping over somebody it's, it's just cool it's a cool thing to see yeah no, that, that was awesome uh we had one game left right uh BYU yeah. Baylor yep this was uh I I got back late to to uh my buddy's house and we threw this game on I kind of forgot it was still going on and, you know, the, the end of the game definitely didn't disappoint. Um, I, I thought that this was just an absolute um, war between these two teams. And really, again, another team that um, is putting the nation on notice is BYU. Uh, they, they've got two big wins under their belt thus far. Um, or I shouldn't say the, the South Florida game is not a big win, but, I mean, they still won by 30. They beat Baylor by six in double OT. And now they've got Oregon coming up. They got Notre Dame down the stretch, Arkansas. So, I mean, they're really putting the fear into a lot of teams. I think this BYU team is not one that you want to run into uh, down the line. No, it's definitely not. And, of course, with uh, me, Oregon uh, plays BYU this week, I believe. So, we're going to run into a, a tough team. Hopefully, Bo Nix up for the challenge. Yeah, yeah. It, it's going to be a fun game, especially Oregon after they get – absolutely throttled by Georgia in week one went out and had, I think like a, a 70 point win over Eastern Washington. Really. We're just, I think just pissed off and wanted to 
to, to put the hurt on somebody. So we're gearing up for a very exciting game between these two teams. And, you know, I, I, I still think Baylor is another team to watch to win the Big 12. Their defense is still very good, especially with a guy like one of my favorite college football players right now, Seka Ika in the middle. It's tough for teams to run against them. So uh, th- th- this Baylor team is still, with this one loss, is still a very legit team sitting at 17. Another scary team um, that has some big matchups coming up like Oklahoma State, uh, Texas at the end of the year, Oklahoma towards the end of the year. So, I mean, those are just two very sound football teams that clashed early this season and gave us a very fun matchup. Yeah, no, for sure. I watched the, so I only saw some of this game because uh, so my buddy's house, we had the UFC uh, pay-per-view on like the main screen. He has like three screens and that's yep. on a little to the left. And uh, I couldn't really see it that well. I was trying to watch it, but I didn't really see too much of this game. But mm-hmm. yeah, BYU is definitely a really good team. Uh, but I don't have much to say about it. I can only watch like a, a quarter maybe. <laughs> that, that's got to be tough for you. when uh, so, so when it comes to the Saturdays, uh, splitting the UFC time, with uh, football, that that I, that's gotta hurt a little bit for you. Oh, it definitely does. Cause I mean, so I watch. I got off work. I work 4 a.m. to 12 on uh, Saturday, so I get home to watch football. Um, and then this week he texted me. He's like, "Hey, we want the UFC fight. You want to come over?" So I left at like 9:30, drove to his house, and he had those two games on. Cause he played a D1 college ball, so he's a big football guy. And mm-hmm. uh, on the big TV, we had the UFC, and I was like, "Yo, this is only like every few weeks, so it, this can definitely yeah. go on the main screen." Definitely. Yeah, it's uh, that's fair. That's fair. But uh, any, any chance to get to watch college football is always a good one when you got to kind of put it in the backseat to some stuff. It, it's got to it definitely stinks. Uh, I've got buddies that are big UFC fans. So like in high school, they'd want to get the pay-per-view fights. So I've got to pull up on like my laptop or my phone. I've got to be watching games while they've got like prelim fights on. I get so, so frustrated. Oh, yeah. sometimes. Well, I, I will say there was at one point uh, where we for the fourth quarter of Nebraska and George Southern, we did swap them. We watched the Scott Frost okay. meltdown in 4K on the big TV. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, you know, that, that, that's an acceptable one. That's fun to watch, the Scott Frost meltdown. Yeah, that. And then we also watched uh, the end of Holy Cross Buffalo, which I don't know if you saw the end of that game. But awesome. Holy Cross beat Buffalo on a Hail Mary. That, that, that's awesome. I mean, it, it's too it's, – uh, again, we looked at – I looked at this week as one that, like, we had a few good matchups, but nothing that would kind of – be crazy and then you get buffalo holy cross going down to the final seconds and holy cross throws a hail mary to win it it just this week really blew my expectations out of the water yeah me too my friend uh tom so he's one of my obviously my real life friend he texted me he's like the week two games kind of booty that was his exact uh <laughs> words and then after it he was like wow that was a great week of football and i was like i just told you dude, it's the week you never expect it, it, it was a fun one. It, to say the least, it was a very fun one. Um, before we kind of sign off, did you watch the uh, or see any of the Baylor versus or not Baylor, a uh, Bowling Green Eastern Kentucky game with uh, the O lineman hook and ladder uh, towards the yes. end of the game? Yes, that what, was what a play call. What, what a play call. Well, you have to have the most immense confidence in your offense as a well, first of all, that coach has to be an offensive lineman. There's no way he was not an offensive lineman back in his day. Like, in his mind, he was like, they'll never expect the offensive lineman to hook and ladder. It, it was just, I think it was a fun play call to see, but also such a bad one because they had the receiver. Instead of running like a hitch, they run it into the boundary. 
they have him run just like a, a, a quick receiver screen. And then they have the tackle pretty much run behind the line of scrimmage to grab the, uh, to, to grab the hook and ladder and then just gets tackled right out of bounds. It was uh, definitely bold to say the least, but uh, it, it um, didn't, didn't really work out in the end. Yeah. It was like they had confidence in their tackle turning the corner for like five yards. So it's like, um, so, so looking at this, uh, Walt Wells is the uh, EKU coach. He has coached O-line in the past. I'm trying to see his playing career if he was an O-lineman. He, he, but he was an O-line coach in the past. I, I got to see to, to, to confirm your, uh, your belief that he was an O-lineman. Uh, Walt Wells, let's see. Uh... Yep, Austin P. 1986 to 1989, offensive lineman. Yeah, I told you, in his mind, he had, like, a flashback to his playing careers. He was like, wow, wouldn't it be awesome for an offensive lineman to score the game winner here? <laughs> now I love that play call even more. I love it a thousand times more now that it's an O-lineman calling that up. Yeah, and he trusted him to turn the corner. And, like, what, it was, like, is it uh, double overtime or four, four overtimes? Four overtimes? I think it was in the fifth OT that they called. The game went to, I believe, seven OTs. Yeah, so in the fifth overtime, he was like, I know what we're calling. <laughs> that and then another kind of fun little thing that happened this uh, this weekend was the LSU kid just walking onto the field uh, during the LSU game. was Dude, that was bold. crazy. Was yeah, he just that was... walked up into the field. Like, that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. My favorite had to be, like, the four or five cops it took to just take this, I think, 170-pound hammered uh lsu student down was even better i think the best part is like if you run onto the field they chase you and like you know like normally it's a big deal he just walked onto the field and it took like everyone a second and they were just like wait he's not supposed to be there threw his hands right on his hips and just was watching the game i mean he at one point in time he had the best seat in the house oh yeah for like a good three seconds (laughs) but uh I don't have anything else. I don't know uh, anything on your end. No, I think that's all it. Uh, it was a great week, too. Like you said, um, I can't wait for week three. Yeah, week three is going to be an exciting one. We got uh, some – this this looks like it could be more of the, the down week, but I also said that about this week. But uh, we the, the one um, game that we have between two ranked opponents, like we mentioned before, is BYU-Oregon. I'm excited for Penn State-Auburn. Georgia-South Carolina could be an exciting one as well. Uh, along with, I think, Wake versus Liberty could, again, be another good game. But, um, yeah, I'm excited. College football is – we're getting right into the swing of things. So it, it's an exciting time to be alive. Yeah, no, I'm excited for that. And uh, Miami, uh, A&M, too. That would have been a lot better if A&M was still ranked. But, unfortunately, they're frauds. Well, they are ranked. <laughs> they're 24, but they're still frauds. Still frauds. I'm fine calling them frauds still. <laughs> yeah, so that's all but, I got. Um, back next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week in college football presented by CFB Talk Daily. Stay tuned for our week three preview with Sonny and Eric coming out this week.